Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. I'm Carter and I'm here with this week's special guest, Chris Heskett, the uh, the the TikTok star of my For You page currently, man, the health and mindset coach, you know, hunter and host of the Wild Nutrition podcast. Thanks for jumping on here with us, Chris. Thank you for having me on, Carter. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, dude, for sure. You know, we were talking just before we mash record, you're... you're the algorithm was speaking to me, man. <laughs> it was speaking to me and your, your videos about wild game nutrition came across. Well, my that's favorite. the one that came across. I figured yeah. that was what it was, but yeah. Yeah. I just did a random video of like, here's like the nutrition breakdown of wild game. And it just like took off. I'm like, Oh, I guess people are actually interested in this. Dude. It's weird how that all works. Isn't it? Yeah. I do. i that video was one of those that I took. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do this super quick? Like it's something I have, like I'm interested in. I want to do put it together in like three minutes, put it up, takes off videos. I spend like 15 minutes producing 300 views. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Never <laughs> yeah. mind. Not doing that anymore. Yeah. It's brutal, man. Just always trying to figure it out. That was funny. It, it hit me at the right time. And I was like, oh, this guy's speaking our language, man. We need to, we need to have a conversation here. Definitely. Definitely. That's cool. Yeah. So obviously I work with a lot of hunters with my coaching program. And part of that, the question always comes up is wild game. Like how do I include that in my diet? Because obviously your audience already does that, but for the average coach, if they go to someone who doesn't hunt, they're going to be like, here's chicken, beef, pork, and fish. Like that's your diet. How do I include wild game? They're like, I have no idea most of the time, unless they grew up around hunters. And that's why I started like putting that together. Like it's basically like the macros of chicken, but with the nutrition of beef, like you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, for sure, dude. Before we jump into the weeds, man, you want to give us a little bit of uh, you know, background on kind of yeah. your, you know, your experience, your background with the outdoors and then, you know, your journey with fitness. Yeah, and I, I skipped that. So, um, with the outdoors, I did um, – so I grew up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, super rural, and I was like the only kid who did not hunt. So I did not grow up hunting. How I got into hunting was uh, – I guess it's going on five years ago. So adult onset hunter. So what happened was my fiance at the time, now wife, uh, she developed a allergy to beef. So – she has a, before we started dating, uh, she had a history of eating disorders. So she messed up her digestive system and she tends to run anemic. So she developed this weird allergy to beef where she's like throwing up. So we couldn't get iron into her that way. She couldn't take iron pills. She couldn't also like go and go to the hospital, get infusions all the time either. So it was like, we were like stuck. Like, what do we do? It's like, we tried bison and she's like, awesome. That works. Like I don't have the reaction okay, well, we can't afford that. Yeah. <laughs> so her family's huge into hunting. Like her granddad had the state record bear for a while back, black bear for a, a long time. So she grew up hunting and around hunters. She ate venison, black bear, all that stuff. So she's like, I like it. Let's try that. We got some like, okay, cool. I guess I'm going to do this now. So I decided that that's when I'm getting into hunting. Got my license, got a bow, got a rifle, had no idea what to do, but my parents have property in Gettysburg still. So went out and it was literally like the last day, last hour of Pennsylvania rifle season. So all season I'm going out, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, I suck. I'm not going to be able to provide for my <laughs> wife. Yeah. What are we going to do? Like we can't afford it. That is like this big old nanny doe walks out and it's just like perfect shot, went right through the heart down like 50 yards like everything was perfect processed in myself and at that moment i'm like well this is what i'm doing for the rest of my life now you were hooked i was hooked immediately like oh yeah this is this is my new hobby like this is my obsession now rifle or bow both no for the first one. Oh, first one was rifle nice dude first one was rifle and the next year i got my first with the bow so bow is way more satisfying oh yeah dude, yeah sure. so so much more goes into it, you know? Yeah. It's so much more work. Like 
to like my non-hunter clients who ask it, it's like obviously your audience knows, but it's like, yeah, my rifle's sighted in, like that rifle sight's set at 200 yards. Like put crosshairs on it. It's like bow. It's like the max I will shoot is 50. And every the conditions have to be perfect for 50 yards. I'm like, just think about that. They're like, oh, I didn't think like, yeah, you have to get the deer way closer. And usually I'm like, I prefer 20 and 30 yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 40's pushing it for me. For 40 is, yeah, like 50, it's like they are like focused on something else, right. broadside, like absolute perfect. They're not moving. That was the the first deer I ever took with a boat was at 50 yards. And it was like heart pounding. I'm like, did I miss it? Because it's so far away. And like I'm wearing, I wear glasses, so I can't see like super, super well. So I'm like, uh, I think. And then I was like, oh, no, I got it. Dude, that's so cool. What a cool kind of origin story, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's now it is. So I was like, I'm only going big game hunt. Now I hunt everything. I'm like, it's dove season coming up. I want to get go. Like, I love dove hunting. Like just anything. My wife's like, you realize like you waste a ton of time and money. Like, but I love it. Like I'm going to do it. She's like, that's fine. This year, I don't think we. I will be just because um, my second daughter was just born a month ago. So thank you. So yeah, I don't think I'm getting out September for that, but definitely uh, I like small game hunting just as much as big game hunting. That's awesome. We have a lot of team members in Pennsylvania and I've heard that's kind of sportsman's paradise up there. A little bit of everything. You don't have like, well, we do have elk, but good luck getting attack. Right, right. Mo like black bear hunting, turkey hunting is great up north. Where I am, I'm in the special regulation area for deer. So there's so many deer and our hunting season starts mid-September and goes until the end of January. Like it's so long here uh, where I am for deer hunting. So you can get a lot. And then obviously there's dove and squirrel and everything else. So if you want to hunt it, most things are here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Us too. We got rifle season all the way through, you know, mid-January. So you oh. can we have it here in the special regulation, but most of Pennsylvania is just two weeks for gotcha. rifle. Gotcha. So it's like right after Thanksgiving for two weeks and that's it. Gotcha. Man, we can hunt with rifles October to January down here. No, we, <laughs> you have, you have your muzzle loader season in October, which is, I can't remember if it's a week or two weeks. And then you get uh, the special flintlock season. Right. Yeah. After Pennsylvania's Christmas. got that old school. The old school flintlock. Yeah. yeah. Have not tried that yet. I'm like, that would be fun to do. Yeah, maybe with somebody who knows what they're doing. It looks like it could be frustrating too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm i like, yeah, I need to get like training on that. But the sportsman club I'm part of, they do like a whole train, like black powder training where you can go and learn how to do that all yourself. So I'm like, once I do that, I'll invest in one, then I'll go do that. That's legit, man. That's a really cool origin story. Even cooler, like, you know, doing it, getting into it for your wife's health. Like what a, God, that's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And like, you know, you read about like, I was reading about these, you know, ticks. That the will, alpha gal. Yeah. That'll give you the, the meta version, you know, currently. And I was reading some statistic, hundreds of thousands of people being effect, affected by it every year. And, uh, you know, wild game is kind of a, what people have turned to. Yeah. Or the same kind of situation. And that's, that's really interesting. So what was your background with fitness and the nutrition side of things? I would imagine that came, that was more. That, that came first, definitely. So I've been into like, well, I really got into nutrition, like at, uh, like about 12 years old. Um, I really started getting into nutrition, but fitness was a, a little bit later. So I've been into like like working out for like 17 years now. And then I decided like, I just love working out so much. I was like, why not make a career out of it? So I got a degree in exercise science and I was going to go down the strength conditioning route. So I went to Bloomsburg University of Pennsylvania. I got to work one-on-one with the women's basketball team there. I did my internship at Bucknell and worked with a bunch of teams there and then realized you can't make a living with strength and conditioning. I was like, oh, that's how much you get paid? Yeah, not doing that for 12 to 15 hour days. Um, so that's where I got into personal training. I did uh, personal training in South Carolina for about a year, moved back to Pennsylvania, and I worked at a gym for seven years there, helping build that up. One-on-one, -on -one, and we focused on mostly P90 
people over the age of 40, helping them with lose weight, feel better, move better, not like beat up their joints like a lot of other gyms. Because at the same time, like if you think back, like now or when I first started, that's like nine years ago, CrossFit was big. So that was like the big push was CrossFit. So a lot of older individuals were going and getting super beat up doing CrossFit workouts, which are kind of designed for like 20 and 30 year olds and like 40, 50 year olds or who we like worked with and specialized in. So I did that. And then I was kind of like on the leadership team for the gym up until two years ago when I started my online business and my boss kind of sat me down. I was like, look, dude, like you're about to have a kid kind of like, there's not a, like another position for you here to like move up in. So he's like, the only way I can offer you more is like working more. And that's the last thing you want to do when you're about to be a dad, you don't want to work more early mornings, more late nights. It's like, so I think you should go like the online coaching route because you like nutrition coaching more anyways. And that's when I started my company two years ago. That's super cool, man. How did you, man, that's super cool. Your journey kind of like to combine both of these new passions. How did you, when did you put that puzzle piece together? Like to integrate the hunting and the wild game into your clients. So that was, I, I started this business that was like, I really want to work with hunters because I'm like so passionate about it. So most of, you know, two thirds of our clients do not hunt, but a third do actually hunt and are very avid hunters, um, mostly here on the East coast or Midwest. So that it was just like, this is what I'm passionate about. I love talking about it. Like, why not make content? And then that resonates with people. And like, I want to work with someone who hunts and understands what I'm going through. And like every fall, I'm going to be super busy and I need a different strategy that most people don't understand because <laughs> it's like, why can't you get to the gym? I'm waking up at like 3.30 a.m. to get out to go duck hunting. That's why. And I'm exhausted. So that's that's how I kind of combined both fitness like and my passion and brought it together. And it's like hunting is physical, especially if you're out west. It's extremely physical. But he, even here in PA, like if you have to drag a deer out, you have to set up, you know, all your duck decoys. I had a client where she's like, Dude, that was the most exhausting thing. And I would just nap in the blind afterwards and a lot of times miss like the first round of ducks. Yep. And after working with me and I think she lost like 40, 50 pounds, she's like, dude, like setting it up's not a problem anymore. She's like, I'm like, it's so easy for me to do. I get it done. And now hunting's so much more fun. Yeah. I mean, just from a hunting perspective, right? If that is a massive part of your life, which a lot of listeners, it it is. And you know, your fitness level, there's a direct correlation between your success in the field and your enjoyment of the activity with your, with your fitness level there. Right. Even here on the East coast, right down here in Georgia, we do a lot of tree stand hunting, but still, like you said, the old adage, right. You don't know how out of shape you are until you're dragging a deer out of the woods. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a direct correlation there, man. Yeah. That's, you know, I had to drag my buck out. Like I did a, a TikTok post the other day. It's like, it's just a joke of like POV, you drag out a deer. It's like someone breathing heavy. And then yeah. like, I just like drop the camera on the ground. So it looks like someone's passing out. Having a heart attack. And everyone's like, I just get the side by side. I was like, that's cool. Except the buck I dragged out the, last year, like it was deep in the woods. There was no getting anything in there. Like you were dragging that out. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you're dragging it a hundred yards and you're exhausted. So if you're not in, like I'm in shape and that was exhausting. If you're not in shape, like you're going to be struggling. If not, you know, if, especially if you're older, potentially dangerous, if your heart's not ready for that kind of activity level. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, right now the, the cool hot thing is like public land, like going in deep, you know, going in further than anybody else. And that's like very in vogue right now in the hunting world. And yeah. If you want to be able to do that, your body needs to be prepared to, you know, put up the fight there. Yeah, because okay, cool, you got in. Can you actually like, if you see something steady, a shot, like, right? Yeah, right, you're exhausted. Like you're just going to take a nap and miss your opportunity. But that was like when we were, uh, I went up to bear camp a couple of years ago, and we actually saw a bear, and I was the only one in shape really at, at in camp. And so what happened was. The bear was on private property. We like pulled up on X, ran over to the property to try to get permission. But the neighbors illegally shot at the bear from their property. 
the bear like takes off and we see where it runs up and there's like no blood anywhere. So we're like, you know what? We, my, I go up to bear camp and then I learn like they haven't seen a bear there for like 10 years. So this is like their first bear ever. So like we looked and the public lands on the other side. So it's like, okay, state game lanes are there. Let's like try to cut this bear off. Maybe it's like bedded down if it's injured, like maybe we can drag this thing out. First bear they've seen in 10 years. So cool. So we get up and it, you know, it's just the Appalachians. It's not major, except it was just straight up. Like we're like, oh crap. So we're going, we're going, we're like stripping layers because bear season is right before Thanksgiving. So it's like 35 out, but you're going straight up the mountain. So you're stripping layers down, you're sweating. And my cousin-in-law looks at me, he's like, dude, what's the youngest you've heard of someone having a heart attack? I think I'm going to be it. (laughs) It's about to be me. Like, wow. Like if we actually see it, I don't think any of us can actually take a shot. Like I could, but I don't think anyone else could take a shot here. I'm like, we're in the dangerous situation of a bunch of people exhausted with loaded weapons. So yeah, we ended up like getting up top, not seeing anything like not like a fun story to be like, yeah, we climbed up to the top of mountain and then we all took a nap because everyone was exhausted. Then we came down like, nope, didn't see anything. But it was just an example of like, yeah, if if you want an opportunity, you need to be in shape because they're like, yeah, we're going to go get a bear. And then they're like, oh no, we're in trouble. So does that mean for 10 years, bear camp was just like a glorified drinking club in the yes. woods? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's still basically a glorified drinking camp for them. Yeah. I did not go up last year and then I was like, we like never see anything. So last year, like I had a, a bunch of opportunities that I messed up on for deer. I'm like, I'm not going up to bear camp. <laughs> I'm like, I saw so many deer down here. I didn't have to like leave my home, which again, I like my goal is to fill the freezer first. So it's like the objective of hunting season is fill freezer, then have fun. So I'm like, if I fill the freezer first, great. But I'm like, I saw a lot of deer that that weekend. So I'm just staying down here. Yeah. And you had a great post recently on kind of like why, explaining why you hunt, which like for folks like you and me, like we we know why we hunt, right? When you, when you do it, like you get hooked, like you said, but like you had a great post explaining that probably to an audience, a farther reaching audience of maybe not everybody's hunters, or maybe not a large percentage are hunters, which I thought was really cool. And you mentioned, you, you listed them all out, right? You know the post I'm talking about? I think you were, so. Like, you were like, you know, I get to spend time outdoor. Out, outdoor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know but what post you're talking about. Yep. You know, good, clean meat for my family, right? Like, what are a couple of those other reasons that you, like, why are you so passionate about it? I'm passionate about the outdoors in general. So one thing, and every hunter will now agree, if they're even if you're like, just like go out occasionally, like nature therapy is a real thing. Like we actually have like a lot of scientific literature coming out of Japan, confirming that there are therapeutic effects of being out in nature. We see increased uh, creativity, decreased stress levels. We see like heart rate go down, blood pressure go down, anxiety go down. So all these really positive things happen. And if you're like in a tree stand for eight hours, and you don't have your cell phone on you, I guarantee like you're like at peace with the world. Like you go out and you're like, oh my God, like I just love being out here and not thinking about like what my credit score is. So, and you're just like watching a fox. Like I remember just like watching a fox like running around like that fox doesn't care that there was this January 6th thing going on. You know, it does, they're just like there and you're just like, this is how life should be like less stressful. And there's scientific literature showing that that's a legit thing. Now you don't have to hunt, but every hunter is going to be out for hours and you get benefits in as little as five minutes, but the longer you can be out there, the more benefits you get. And that's why a lot of people are like, yeah, just like being in the stand, Yep. which it's a legit thing. So now, you know, you can tell your wives that, Hey, I need to go out for my therapy session. Yeah, for real, man. And you know, that's, that's good when you're looking at the full scope of things, right? It's not just about, not always about the food and the, you know, there's, there's a more holistic view that is involved when you're spending time in the woods, man. And exactly. I like, I like what you have to say about like mindset. You do a lot, you do a lot of mindset talks and, and coaching too, right? And that's definitely part of that avenue, right? Yeah. So most of my coaching is mindset coaching. Like I, nutrition and fitness in general for the, the people I serve, 
pretty simple. I don't work with bodybuilders. I don't work with powerlifters. That's just not my clientele. I work with the mom and dad who's struggled with weight for years. And now, you know, they come to me and I help them with that. And a lot of times we have a whole bunch of mindset things we have to break first. One thing is usually stress management. Most people are way too stressed out. And that's where like something like nature therapy comes into play. Or it's like journaling or working on a hobby like hunting or fishing or going hiking, gardening, whatever it is. Stress management is a huge thing because if your stress levels are sky high, like you're not sticking to any diet or fitness program, like you're going to burn out. So we need to figure out how you can do this in the long term. And it's never like work out six days a week, super hardcore, do this hardcore diet. It's like, no, let's find something manageable. And instead of like trying to get to your result in 12 weeks, we're going to do it in 26 weeks, but you're actually going to do it this time instead of being burnt out in six weeks. Yeah. I like that a lot, man. And I feel like maybe that demographic of folks can sometimes be forgotten about, you know, the, the busy parents and the people who are 10, 15, 20 years into their careers already. Whereas like, you know, now we're so inundated with this fitness influencer life everybody's young and and jacked and right and rich and all this stuff that's cool yeah it it's not like the fun population so what i mean and what i mean by that so the audience listening i'm not saying like you're not fun like i love the clients i get to work with but when like i started getting coaching like everyone like my old boss was like i just want to work with strongman competitors because he competed in strongman now i'm like i want to work with bodybuilders because at the time i was competing in bodybuilding I want to work with this population. And then you realize like, that's not the population that really needs help in the world. Like who needs the most help? How much impact can you give the world if you just help bodybuilders? And it's like, or we can make a massive amount of impact, really change lives by helping this population that actually is calling out for help. And they're like, I've tried every diet. My energy sucks. I can't pick my kids up because I've hurt my back so many times. What do I do? Is like, okay, I can go in and help that person. And that's way better than for me personally than, okay, someone does a bodybuilding show, like, cool, that's awesome. It makes a great testimonial. But when I see, like, I get a client check in, it's like, dude, I was able to like play with my kids. And my teenager knows, like, mom, you like, you've never had this much energy before. And they send me that message. I'm like, that's what's awesome to me. Yeah. Or they, they're like, hey, I was able to go out, like, actually go out hunting with my kids and I wasn't exhausted and I wasn't dreading it. Like it was actually fun to go out and do this. Like that's what fuels me. And that's why I like, I like serving that population. That's freaking awesome, dude. It gets me fired up and it changes your perspective having kids, right? Like I've got two little girls and you've got two as well. Yep. And you know, I'm, I'm turned 30 this year. I'm tired. I'm stressed. Like work is getting real and now you're providing for not just you in <laughs> no. life where I thought I was invincible for a really long time. And you want to be around, dude. You want to be able to be around, especially as my parents are getting older, like dude, perspective, yeah. man. And you want to be able to play and you want to be able to, you know, when your daughter says again, throw her up, you want to be able to do that without hurting yourself and you yeah, never, or actually just being able to do it. Yeah. Right. Right. You don't want to, you don't want your fitness to be a limiting factor. No, and it it doesn't need to be. And the problem with the influencer mindset that's out there on social media right now is everyone thinks they need to work out like six days a week and be perfect. It's like you can get started with like two times a week for like 20, 30 minutes. That's all you need to do to get started. You just have to start someplace. I'm not saying you're going to become like jacked and reach your goals there, but it at least gets you down the path. And you're going to feel a lot better just doing that. Again, you don't have to be perfect. And with you have two girls, I have two girls. My new, I haven't worked out in four weeks. Like I'm a fitness coach and I have not worked out because she is colicky. We are yep. up super late, like from like 7.30 to 11 at night. She is shrieking. And that's usually when I would work out. And then my daughter has been getting up like things. I'm running a business. Like things just have not been perfect. I will get back on track, but it's like. I will, I have a fitness space already. I have a plan to get back on track in a few weeks here where I'm like, okay, like I'm going to slowly get back into things. That's just reality of being a parent and living in modern society. Like you're not going to have a fit, 
perfect fitness program. You're not going to have a perfect diet, but C's get degrees here. Like do what you can <laughs> when you can. And then during certain times of the year, you're going to be able to double down. Like for me, like I will double down on dieting and stuff January through March. It's my least favorite time of the year. There's nothing really going on. It's cold. It's gray here in Pennsylvania. What else am I going to do? Might as well just lose body fat at that time. Why? Because like summer, I want to hang out with people. Fall's hunting season. Then we go right into the holidays. So it's like, okay, I can do other goals during those times, but I'll plan my fat loss during that time. I do the same thing with clients. So I'll look at a year with someone like, when realistically can we be like be almost perfect? This time, this time, this time. Okay, those other times of the year, what goals are we going to work on? They're like, what? I, my goal is weight loss. Like, cool. You have other goals, right? Like, we're losing weight for what reason? And they're like, I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. I want to be able to do things. I'm like, cool. So we want to improve our fitness. We want to increase muscle mass. So we'll work on those goals when you can't focus on fat loss. Wait, what? I thought I had to lose weight 24 seven. Like, no, you can focus on other things too. Yeah. You got to have that balance, right? And mm -hmm. educating people with that, with that knowledge is important. Cause like, I get it now, like, without your, you know, background of nutrition and, and fitness, you know, you can get back on track, no problem. Right. But you can see how, you know, people, maybe, especially in our parents' generation, when they had new kids, man, and maybe their kids or uh, I was colicky or whatever, it can slip away real quick, man. And then it becomes like, how the hell am I ever going to get back to anything well, decent? Then what happens is we get, we have our egos tied and we compare ourselves to the old version of ourselves, like the version of yourself before kids, like you had to take all this time off. Like I'm going to go back and I'm, I know I'm not going to get four or five on the back squat right away. Like I'm going to ease back into it. But a lot of people think that they can just pick up where they left off. And it's like your, your body doesn't have a pause button. Really? The pause button's like continuing to work out like twice a week, not zero workouts. You're like, my fitness is slowly slipping away right now. Not working out. So I'll get back into it and I'm going to be at a different level. But most people think that I should just be able to do the same things I did when I left off six months ago. It's like, no, you pretty much lost a lot of that. It'll come back quick, but you got to start like back down here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're touching on it a little bit here, but I'm real curious, man. What, what would you say your mission is with your, uh, your coaching so our mission statement is uh, we change the world through helping others. So I have never viewed myself as the like activist person, the person to go out and be on the front lines of things. However, after working with people who've gone from like being very not confident at all to actually being activist, like I'm the person who helps get them there and build confidence in themselves. So that's our mission statement is like, We'll change the world through helping others because we're going to make you the best version of yourself. And then you're going to go out and then you're, you know, spider web and start improving the lives of others. I love that, man. You wouldn't believe how similar that is to kind of our vision here with our team as well, man. Like improve yourself, go back to your little micro community and affect change on that smaller level. That's yeah. so powerful. It is. And we need more people doing that in the world, but you know, got to start someplace. And like I said, I, one client in particular, she went now she's like pulling people like wrong. She just helped people with wrongful convictions. Like she didn't early on. And then it's like helped, helped, helped. And now she's like in the state capital, like helping people get out of having wrongful convictions, getting them out of jail after like 10, 20 years. And you're like, Oh my God, like, that's amazing. I could never do that. Yeah. However, I helped her get there. I don't take credit for what she does, but I know that I helped her get to the point where she's at now. Yeah, dude, your fitness and your mindset has to be, it's a piece of the puzzle for literally everything you, you do. So that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, in addition to like the physical benefits, you're also going to get a lot of mental benefits other than like there's the therapy like effect of exercise, but there's also just the mental toughness effect. Like if you really want to go out, like you have to be able to be tough and what better way to ch challenge yourself day to day than like go to the gym, 
no other like challenge in your life other than maybe having kids really challenges like your mental toughness where you like actively go do something that's hard and you go do it, survive and go back the next week and be like, I'm going to make it even harder on myself. Yep. And you know, you can do it, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do hundred pound squats today. Three sets of 10 next week, 110 pound squats, 120, like nothing else in your life will do that. And you just build up that confidence of like, Hey, I know I can survive. So if I can do this, I can do anything. And then that bleeds over into other areas of your life. Your kids notice that and they're like, oh, okay, I see mommy and daddy as a super confident person. They can do whatever. They're superheroes until they're teenagers. And then they're like, I don't want to talk to you until I'm in my mid twenties. Yep. I was totally guilty of that with my parents. I mean, yeah. Everyone is. And that, but it bleeds there. It's going to bleed over to the other people you love, your friends group, your coworkers, your work. Like if you're more, so I had um, a client where she was giving presentations and she knows that she no longer was like, like tugging at her dress and making sure everything was like perfect when standing up. She just like presented. She's like, it was the best presentation I've ever given and got a promotion from that. It's like, awesome. oh, because she was able to focus hundred percent. She wasn't worried like how her stomach was sticking out. She's just like presented instead of like tugging and, you know, having that really unconfident body language of like trying to be like as small as possible. She was able to be like big in the room, confident, presented. Oh, you got a promotion from that. Awesome. Now you're making more money. You don't think that's going to help out your life? Yeah, no kidding. That's cool. When you're talking about mindset with some of these people, my, my wheels are turning now, but like, what are some, you know, tips you could offer on how you first start addressing mindset with people? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, so obviously it's going to depend on the person. However, that's the biggest non-answer I can give. So first thing we do is figure out what's your like, why? And I like to do an exercise called your five, six, seven. So everyone, like, if you were to sign up, I'd be like, okay, Carter, what's your goal? And I'm like, lose 10 pounds. Cool. What makes you want to lose 10 pounds? And we do that seven times because the first couple, like the first three are super superficial. Like I want to lose 10 pounds. Why? I want to look better in my bathing suit. Like I want to go to the beach and have a six pack. Why? And then we start getting down into like core things. So five, six, and seven are like, well, I want to be around for my kids. What's important for that? My dad passed away from a heart attack or cancer at the age of 55, I don't, I want to be there for my kids for the rest of, you know, way longer than that. I want to live till I'm 80. You, so we're going to take that. We're going to put that sticky note. What sounds more motivating? I want six pack or I want to be alive for my kids and not die of a heart attack, which is in my genetics at 55. You're going to be like, okay, when I'm feeling unmotivated and like, I want to give up, I'm going to look at that. Like, oh, I'm an asshole. If I don't, do this thing right, for right. my kids or yeah. I want a six pack and it's not that important. Right. So that that's a, a powerful tool. It's super emotional. You'll see the toughest guys start to break down and ball. It's very challenging to do, but you can do it yourself. You really write what your goal is two through seven and start writing what is important about whatever that previous thing is, get down to seven and you can do it for whatever you want in life. Obviously, I do it with a health and fitness goal, but you can do it with business. You can do it with personal goals. It's a just a very general, powerful mindset tool. And then from there, we're going to map out more of like what the person needs. For my population, a lot of times it's going to be breaking, limiting mindsets of their belief that they've tried a thousand diets. They can't lose weight. They don't like they believe that they can't lose weight. So there's a lot of self-sabotaging that happens. So this is common and someone in the audience will probably know this. You get down to like this, like certain point in your weight loss journey for if you're over 200, it's like that 200 pound mark. Or if you're under, it might be 180, 160. If there's this very certain point, you're like, I can never break it. And what generally happens is some sort of self-sabotaging where all of a sudden your motivation goes away or you start like getting lax with your tracking of food you start slacking off in your workouts. Something happens here and it's self-sabotage. It's never like anything grounded in reality. 
usually if it's a repeat behavior, it's something that you internally don't believe that you deserve the results or that you can actually get the results. So as soon as you get close to it, because the brain doesn't like the change, your brain starts to fight against you. So we have to break that mindset of like, hey, like what's going on? Why, why is all of a sudden your motivation gone? And walk through like, oh, like these reasons are like all made up in my head. And then we, you know, it, this obviously very, very much depends on the person, but then we can break through that. And then once we break through that, generally a plateau, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can do this thing. I believe in myself. And then in addition to the weight going down, we also see confidence really starting to skyrocket at that point. Dude, you're like 50% psychologist to your clients too. 100%. It is. It is with my clientele is more mindset coaching than it is nutrition or fitness coaching. Like a lot of clients, it's super basic workouts. Like we're not doing five, six, seven, or not five, uh, five, three, one. We're not doing conjugate systems. We're not doing any, it's like, okay, you're going to go in, you're going to do a push, pull, a quad dominant, a hip dominant movement and a core movement three days a week. We're going to do some zone two cardio twice a week and then hit maybe once a week if the recovery allows. Like super basic, nothing revolutionary. Diet programming, nothing revolutionary. There's no secret. The secret is like in the mindset of like, okay, here's what's going on. Let me walk you through like the next steps because a lot of times they need to be handheld. Yeah. And then once they believe that they can do it themselves, eventually the goal is to graduate and be like, see, you can do it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I can. And then they graduate the program. Dude, this is brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. It's so cool, man. What a, you know, cool, holistic approach. Like, it's just real, you know? It, the, my, my goal is to help people. So it goes against the goal. It's out of alignment if I was like to say, like, keep them in the program forever and ever. So the whole time it's like teaching someone how to do something on their own. And then what happens is like, if they want the additional coaching on the back end after they reach their goal and they graduate, awesome. They can do that. Uh, we have an alumni program for that, but for the most part, it's like they come in, they graduate, they're confident they can do it on their own. Awesome. You have your results. We go over like how they can continue to do this year in and year out. They graduate. And then like I check in with them every once in a while. They're like, yeah, maintaining my results amazing yeah that would be i would imagine one of the biggest compliments you could ever get is like never see them again because you know like yeah. they're the way right exactly it's so i had one and she's like it's really emotional but i got this i i don't think i could like i don't think i really like need you there i was like good i'm yeah. i've been waiting for this for like six months i'm like at some point you're gonna say this but I want to hear it from you because at, when you say it, you believe it. If I say it, you're going to be like, eh, yeah, maybe I, th I can try it. But when the client says it, different. So same thing goes like when I try to level up the client. So I walk things through like it's three phases of my program. So when they're trying to go from phase one to phase two, it's usually on the client to be like, I'm ready. Like when you say like you're ready to take something more challenging on, you're going to do it. If I say like, as a coach or like your boss says like, Hey, I need you to do this thing. You're like, Oh God, this is going to be more work. But if you're like, Hey boss, I want to take on this project. You're going to kill that project. If you come to me and you're like, Hey, I'm ready to take my, my nutrition and my workouts to the next level. Like I really want to get after some fitness goals. I'm going elk hunting in September. We're going to be at 10,000 feet of elevation. Currently we're at 300. I really need to be in shape. Yeah. yeah you're going to actually like, go after it. You're not going to like kind of half-ass it. Right. So that was kind of, you know, my next kind of question. Do you get clients who are, right, you said about a third are hunters, mm -hmm. whose goal is to get in shape for a hunt or hunting season yes. or going out west for the first time? Dude, I need, I know I need help. Yeah, we do get a number like that or who live out west. Mm -hmm. So currently have a client who lives in Montana and a few others who like just like travel around. They're living the van life um, out West. So with them right now, they're all doing like lots of like rucking workouts to get ready. Just especially if they're here on the East coast, like we're at like 
300 feet elevation here in Pennsylvania. You're going to go spend time at 10,000. So yeah, strength is important, but it just depends on, you know, where they're at and when they started, but we're doing a heavy cardio workouts right now with rucking, uh, weighted carries. If they have access there, uh, the stairmaster, things like that to get them ready for out there so that they have the best chance of being successful. Yeah. We have a lot of, uh, you know, active duty and former, former serving uh, military guys on our, on our team here. And, you know, big, big rucking community, dude. Yep. They, those, those dudes love to, love to ruck, man. And once I saw, uh, on your page, your, your 12 week ruck program, I was like, man, this is, this guy's talking these, uh, these guys language. That's cool. Yeah. It's, you know, I have a free rucking program. It's literally in, in my bio and in my Facebook community. It's free for anyone who wants it. It walks you through like how to start and how to get to like week 12 of either increasing weight to a certain point or increasing your distance to a certain point. That's realistic for most people, not like going crazy, but that'll get you in like, if you're trying to go out West pretty much in shape that you'll feel confident going out there. If you follow that and like, you should have longer than 12 weeks, but if you start right now, we're in August, so you don't have 12 weeks to get ready necessarily, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it'll get you, even if your goal is just to like get in shape and you're looking for a program, like I have a client I just onboarded and she's like, I don't have a gym membership. I just like walk right now. I'm like, cool. What's your heart rate at? She's like, it's really low when I went for my walk. It's like, cool. We're going to start with rucking. It's an easy way for even the average person who's intimidated by the gym to like get started. Like, okay, we're going to start with walking. Then we're going to do rucking. You're going to be in shape and then you're going to be less intimidated at the gym because you're going to start doing things. You're going to feel confident in your body. Okay. And it's a great like segue also. It's great for like law enforcement and military to get in shape. And it's great for the average person. Like it's just a, the best all around thing for most people to do. Yeah. Pretty low barrier of entry and, you know, easy to hit that zone two cardio relatively quickly. And you don't, you don't need a gym membership to go do it. No, you can literally just like go out like for hunting or like you can go just for a hike. Like you want to go for a hike, but you have to get a workout in. Like I get a bunch of people like that. Like, oh, I just really wish I could go for a hike, but I feel like I need to get a workout. In. Like, so throw like 15 pounds in a pack and go, wait, what? Yeah. There's your rucking workout. Okay, great. I'm exhausted. I'm like, yes, I know. Don't go eight <laughs> miles. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, that's where I'm at right now. I'm going on my first elk hunt in November fourth season in Colorado and nice. Yeah. Me and the four of us who are going, we're, we're getting after it. Right. Yeah. And trying to get prepped for that. Cause I'm at like a hundred feet elevation right now. We're going to be at 10,000 feet in the middle of winter. You're, yeah. you're in the lowlands down there in Georgia. Yeah. It's going to be tough, man. So <laughs> you going out like a week early. No, no, you're just going right into yep. it. Yep. So the cards are stacked against me, man. So you want it to suck as little as possible, you know? You're you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Just get it get in as best cardiovascular shape as you can, because oof. Yeah. I just had um a guest on my podcast who he got his first elk last year and he was going over like his rucking program and because he's he's not as low as we are, but he's still like he's only at like two thousand feet elevation and he's like, dude, yeah, like getting up there and then getting the elk out at 10,000 yeah. feet of elevation. He's like, that's the bad part. Oh man, that was rough. He's like 2 a.m. in the morning, 10,000 feet up, drag, like quartering the elk, packing it out. He's like, that was rough. That was the hardest part. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I can 70 pounds on your pack at 10,000 feet. Uh, yeah, that would be rough. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> like I do 40 at elk here, not on mountains. Right. Right. That's funny, man. Yeah, your your podcast, Wild yes. Nutrition. Yep, Wild Nutrition Podcast. So a little bit of everything. It's just I like podcasting, so it's a little bit of whatever I want to talk about. So generally, it's going to be nutrition, fitness related, but we do get some hunting uh, talks on there. We get um, some other outdoor stuff on there, so it's there. It's a little bit less than the nutrition stuff. So it's like 80% nutrition and fitness, 10 to 20% hunting stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah. Big fan. Listen to some episodes and thank you. 
Can we talk wild nutrition a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cause that's like, yes, that's, that's what got me plugged into you, man. And okay. So, you know, what do you tell folks like key benefits of incorporating wild game into your fitness focused diet? Like what are your, your go-to, like, this is why. So if we're talking weight loss, which is mostly who I serve, you're going to get similar macros and calories as chicken breast with, you know, venison. So if we're talking venison here, which is what most people think of wild game to start off with. So the protein and fat content is going to be very, very similar. However, when you look at the vitamins and minerals, they're going to be the ones we need. Most people are deficient in and need more of it's going to be higher than in chicken and it's going to be similar to beef or even higher than beef. And it'll be higher than beef because it's so lean. So it, it's very easy to fit into a diet because it, there's so little fat. So you can stick in wherever you would stick in chicken. In fact, you might need to add fat to your diet with doing it. But my experience is most people overeat fat way too much. So it's an easy way to just replace beef with wild game in your diet. And then there's the calories you just need to cut out for the meal. Awesome. Easy. Great. It's also because it's leaner. It's also more filling than beef. So if you look at, have you heard of the satiety index? Yes, I have. Okay. So for the listeners who don't know, basically it's like index of like how filling foods are. So the lower the score, the less filling, the higher the score, the more filling. So beef because of the fat content is less filling than chicken. Um, and that's due to the higher fat content. So for example, if I tell someone eat a pound of chicken, like just chicken, boneless, skinless chicken breast. Like most people are going to struggle a little bit. Like you can do it, but you're probably going to be really full and you're like, that was not fun. If I tell you like eat a one pound steak, easy, my wife can do that easy. Like, yeah. She's five, three. She can easily eat a one pound steak or more, even like a 20 ounce steak, like no problem. So beef is way less filling. So venison fits in that it's not quite as filling as chicken, but it's right underneath where it's a very filling food when you're in a weight loss phase that you can have in your diet, keeps you full, super nutritious. So we're not going to get any nutrient deficiencies, high in protein, very healthy. Um, the little bit of fat that is in there, it's, you know, decent amount of omega threes in there. So just all around is like all the boxes you want for like a healthy, low calorie food. It's there. Like, it's just like that. This is the perfect food. Like it, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. And when, when you do those videos where you break down the macros, yeah. which is hilarious, by the way, the, some of the suggestions people give you where <laughs> random critters that you have to go look up or whatever. But after you give the macronutrients and you're looking at the vitamins and the minerals, what kind of vitamins and minerals are we looking at? Which are, what are the important ones that we need to pay attention to? So mostly it's going to be a lot of your, your B vitamins. So a lot of people tend to be really low in B12. So that's going to be very, very high in most wild game, even the ones that you don't consider like, like red meat, like squirrel is still like high in B12. So B12 is one, and that's one like my wife tends to run like low B12. She used to get, get injections. So it's like, that solves the problem. Iron and B12. It's very high in iron, which can be good and bad. You can get iron overload with it if you eat it all the time. So that's mostly men. Uh, so you do need to be careful with that, but for women, amazing source of iron, other vitamins and minerals. Uh, most of your B vitamins are high. The only one that tends to be low is folate, but that's normal. You'll have to get that through like plant sources, but pretty much everything else is really high. When we're looking at your minerals, you're going to have a good amount of copper and zinc, which tend to be low in a lot of our agricultural foods because of, uh, over farming the fields and depleting the nutrients there. So copper and zinc tend to be a little bit low in people's diets. It's one of the reasons why uh, oysters are considered like an aphrodisiac is zinc content. So venison, amazing. Most wild game is amazing source of it. Selenium or selenium, however you pronounce it, is very high in it. So that's another one where some people tend to get low in that amazing source there. Now, the one downside is those are very general. So you, the wild game in your area is going to be dependent on the food that they eat. So just like different areas might, the venison might taste different, like a mountain deer tastes a little bit different than one just down in the ag fields eating corn all the time. Yeah. 
So the nutrition there is kind of general, but there is going to be variation in there. So if you go and you're like, oh, this is perfect. And then you're like, like, hey, I I've have these symptoms of maybe being slightly deficient in this. I thought Chris said this. It is wild game. We have no like unless you have like massive food plots and you can like create the perfect diet for the deer, we don't have control over what they're eating, unlike animals in agriculture. So there's going to be variation. So in general, what I told you guys is true, but there might be a few of you out there where like late season, the deer are a little depleted where they're eating mostly like twigs up north. Like if you're hunting in Maine and it's January, like they might be a little depleted compared to like early season. That's awesome, man. What, and then what I also appreciate about you is that you, you know, you list your, obviously very science-based, you list your sources for like where you're getting this mm-hmm. information from. It looks like Te- University of Texas A&M is, puts out a lot of, they have a, a lot of wild game research yep. that they've done. They do. Uh, University of Wisconsin had one. <laughs> the person who asked me about Sandhill Crane, I had to look that up. <laughs> Those were some old studies. That was me done, man. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm actually curious now. Like, man, this does not pop up in any of my resources. USDA is another great resource, but uh, they, Sandhill Crane did not pop up there. I'm like, hmm. So yeah, I had to go and find that information out through some like research done in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> But yeah, Texas A&M, University of Wisconsin, or you can just go to the USDA website and then they have a nutrition thing there and you can find a lot of the foods there. They have some that are native to Alaska specifically. And you can also look at the date that they were created. So if you look and you're like, that just doesn't seem right. And it might be that it's like found in like 1970 and you're like, Mm, this is like 50 years old. That yeah. might not be completely right. right. I might want to double check that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause I was talking to my wife recently, like if you're tracking food and you're using one of these apps or whatever, wild game is not f- frequenting your, your search bar up there. So no. that's why I thought what you're doing and for context, right. On Chris's TikTok, which is how I found this originally, you shared videos of just answering people in the comments, like looking up the macros of whatever, whatever random species of animal people, you know, comment on your page and you do your due diligence and you go find the research and then you share what the macros are and the vitamins and the minerals involved in that critter. And then you share it. And I was like, this is, this is the content I want. This is so cool. It it was, it's super fun. It was a little annoying sometimes to try to find all of it. Yeah. Some critters are very annoying to find. It's just what, like, what were the hardest? Sandhill crane was the hardest. <laughs> the other one that's hard is uh, like doll sheep because they're okay. so little. Like they're right. they're so endangered. Like there's so yeah. little information on it. So there's a giant asterisk with that one of like, this is a kind Maybe. of a rough guess. Yeah. Well, I'll probably never draw that tag. So. Yeah. I'm like, good luck Not drawing good. that for one. <laughs> but yeah. There, there's certain critters that are just very, very difficult to find, but then other ones. So like I said, so they did some research for Eskimos with native Alaskan species. So like you can easily find the information on like seal and you're like, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> what? Oh, they went up and it was their native diet of this population in Alaska. So they figured it out because that's their part of their native diet. Okay. That, that's kind of cool. So you can find some of that information out. It's out there. You just have to like know to look for it. Yeah. That's important, man. Especially for, you know, in our world where people are tracking their food that I, I got three chest freezers full of all sorts of different things, man. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to list this. I know it's probably good, for me, but if I'm trying to track, I, I don't really know. Well, and that's been a big issue that a lot of my clients get is they come to me and they're like, I have these chest freezers full. And my coach was like, no, don't like previous coach, don't eat anything off the plan. One, unless they're a dietitian, they shouldn't be saying that, but that's a different story. So like they have a chest freezer full of all this really high quality meat. That's low in fat. Like why can't you just swap that for chicken or Turkey or lean pork in their diet? Like it's so easy to swap out. Like, nope. Follow exactly what I've laid out for you. Right. <laughs> that That's just like 
So you're going to have three freezers full of this and you're telling them to go out and buy chicken that they don't need to like, and they would prefer to have this other stuff. Like, no, <laughs> don't do that. That's cool. Have you come across any, uh, I don't know, myths or misconceptions in, in this world of wild game nutrition, especially with the social media, uh, you know, you, you never know what Yahoo's going to comment on your videos or anything like that. But I mean, the, the, most of the haters I've gotten have been like people asking about like gaminess. <laughs> oh my God. That video. I'm like, why did this take off? I'm like, I did not know this was so polarizing. I literally said like on there, like most deer are not going to be gamey unless you pro mess up processing. And then people are like, no, like there's no, that's just what deer tastes like. And I'm like, no, I've messed up processing. And that deer was messed up. Yeah, That was on me. That was, and it's like, that was the biggest misconception of like, it just like, doesn't taste good. Wild game is gamey. Yeah. Wild game is gamey. It's like, no, it's just like, you don't know how to make it. Or the other interesting thing. Um, so because I process it myself, I never thought of this, but every time I get like the classic deer steaks, like these always seem to be gamey. Now, usually my wife's family, one of my wife's family members gives it to uh, us. And it's always like this really mature, ruddy buck. Like I'm just giving it to that. And they're like, no, when they use a bone saw, that fat, which tends to be gamey in the marrow tends to get spread out all over the meat. Even though you might not see it that much, you're getting that spread out. So that can explain some of the gaminess. I was like, that actually makes sense. That makes sense why like the deer steaks I do not like and they tend to be gamey versus like the ruddy buck I got this year was not gamey at all. Tough, but not gamey. Okay. So there's that. There's also like all fat is is gamey. Um I got this from Hank Shaw, which I'm sure you're yeah, familiar with. Yeah, I love with. that guy. Yeah. He's uh his thing was like test the fat. Like, do you need to trim all the fat or can you like be like super lazy? Like I am a lot of times with deer trimmings and for ground grind. He's like, put it into like a cast iron and see what it smells and tastes like. If it's not that gamey, like you don't have to like trim off every little bit. Like, yes, it's a little waxy, but it's not that bad. Once you mix in with like a big batch of grind or if it's like really bad, like, yeah, trim that off. So it's a myth that you have to trim it and all of it's going to taste bad just test it out first yeah i would yeah definitely like either you handled it improperly when you're processing or you suck at cooking right yeah there's that That's a possibility or you know this is what good food tastes like and our taste buds are just so bland from this factory farming you know chicken in a styrofoam covered with Ran wrap kind of thing, and we don't know what food tastes like anymore. Yeah, Mo so I always mess with my my friends who don't hunt, and like I will do two things. I will give them the option to not eat wild game, but generally, like my one friend, he came over and he's only had venison at like this really really high end restaurant where they brought in like venison off a farm, so it's not quite the same. So I I made backstrap and steak. I was like, there's both. If you don't want it, don't have it. He's like damn you, Chris, I'm going to try. He had, he's like, this is delicious. I would have never tried this. Otherwise I always just assumed, or when he had it as a kid, it was always like overcooked. I'm like, no, no, no. It's medium rare. That's it. And then seasoned appropriately, not super dry and well done. That's, that's gross. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of man, I know we're rolling up on an hour here, but what's your, you know, what's your favorite game meat to eat and your favorite way to prepare it Ooh, i would have to i you know what fills our freezer is deer but i love dove like i just i like duck and i've yet to go out, out waterfowl hunting so that might be something in the future that changes but i do really love making dove poppers or using dove in different ways like i have hank's book yeah his one for um bird game birds so a bunch of recipes in there I, I don't know i just like it so they're super delicious super easy to process super fun to shoot like everything's like super fun yeah. about them yeah so like i really like it some people don't get it. they look at me like i'm weird and then other people who love dove hunting they're like oh yeah i get it 
Yeah, if you haven't been on a dove hunt, you're missing out. For sure. Yeah, you definitely need a dove hunt. It's one of those things of like, how good can they be? And the first time I had it, I'm like, oh my God, these are delicious. And again, like I really like duck. So it's it's that same dark meat. It's just leaner. And then you do either dove poppers or a million other recipes out there. They're so easy to process and you generally get a bunch. So if you mess up one of them, it's like, okay, there's a bunch of others. Yeah. Only problem is you need about 12 of them, right? Yeah. Well, they are usually the appetizer for the night and not the full meal. Yeah. <laughs> generally it's like okay we're gonna have this with the last backstrap of the year before deer season opens up yeah that's cool man speaking of what hunts you got planned this fall um this year just with my daughter it's mostly just going to be whitetail nice that's pretty much all i can guarantee uh i did not even get my like uh my duck stamp because i don't think i'm going to be able to get out for dove hunting i don't think I'll be doing much in the way of squirrel hunting because by the time my wife can actually get out and also hunt, like it'll be late in the season already. And like my main focus then is deer hunting. So that's pretty much all I have planned. But if something pops up, I, I jump at any opportunity. So if there's like, someone's like, do you want to go goose hunting? I just go get the licenses right then and there. Like, okay, like we're going to go goose hunting this weekend. Awesome. So Deer, just deer for this year. Next year, I hope to get back to like hunting a little bit of everything. Nice. That's awesome, man. Well, I wish you good luck this, uh, this fall, dude. And thank you. Appreciate you jumping on here with us. Of where course. Can folks find your litany of resources that you have. There? Where can we, where can we find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. It's at Chris underscore PWC. Um, my podcast is the wild nutrition podcast, which is on every podcast platform. So Spotify, Apple is generally the two people usually use. And then I also have a Facebook community called peak weight loss secrets. You can join that if your goal is fat loss. And again, we generally focus on weight loss for parents who are been struggling to lose weight. So if that is you, that's going to be a great resource for you to jump into. There's a bunch of free guides and stuff in there. And if you don't want to do that, but you use Facebook, I'm on Facebook at just Chris Heskett. Um, you can find me on there. Hell yeah, man. Well, listeners go check out Chris's stuff. Thanks again for jumping on with us, dude. Really Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Pleasure, man. And listeners, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys and we'll talk to you next week.